All right, we're back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Shout out to Sarah and Sarah headed to the airport this morning. My two friends going to Palm Springs without me. Wow. Must be nice. They're on their way now listening to the Fan Morning Show. Loyal listeners, have a great trip. At least they give you that. A great flight. Best of luck. A ratings boost on their way to Palm Springs. That's right. All right, yesterday we got a chance to chat with Mike Medano ahead of tonight's matchup with Maple Leafs and the Minnesota Wild. The Wild won last night. Um, that's four straight for them um, on the road against Columbus, and they're playing here, and then they're going to play Columbus once again. So they're looking to figure out what they're going to do at this trade deadline. Um, we talked to Mike Medano, obviously Stanley Cup winner with Dallas in 99. He spent most of his career with the Stars. Um, I tried to poke a little bit of fun at him for allowing for Ryan O'Reilly to come home to bring the factor to Toronto. Wait, don't you know you can't joke around about salary retention? Yeah, he wasn't into it. <laughs> <laughs> we tried. We tried. Um, so here's our tape with Mike Medano, who we chatted with yesterday. Mike, we owe you and the organization plenty of uh, praise for facilitating and helping facilitate Ryan O'Reilly to Toronto. <laughs> it's been a fun week for us here in Toronto since getting uh, the factor over to the Toronto area. Um, we just got to say thanks for uh, lending a hand and getting him in there. The trade deadline's fun when people are lending their cap space for us. But uh, just to initially start, how does it feel to be approaching this trade deadline and the buzz that's around it? Well, there certainly is always the buzz. I think always everybody's just kind of jockeying for position and just keeping their phone lines open to just kind of see where everybody stands and, uh, you know, what might there be uh, their position going forward. So there's always, you know, tons of interesting concepts and theories and rumors and, uh, you know, most of them don't come true, but um, yeah, there's always the, the idea of you never know what could pop up. So you, you know, you keep an open mind and just kind of see what, uh, you know, then what might fit in your organization with your players, your team that you got set already. And, and then, uh, you know, Sometimes you cross your fingers and hope it works out and uh, then go from there. <laughs> You're in an interesting position now um, as a former player and now working in an, an office, a front office with an organization. What's the trade deadline like? Let's look back at your career when you are a player. A little bit of extra anxiety or uh, excitement, I guess, in, in case your team's looking to add. Um, just if you look around your locker room or around the NHL right now, what's the common feeling that many are feeling uh, while they approach this deadline next week? Well, I think, you know, back back in the day, I think there was a little bit of nervousness. You know, no, not many people had no trade clauses or no movement clauses. So I think everybody felt like um, at that particular time, if Wayne Gretzky could be traded, uh, anybody could be traded. So uh, we felt, uh, you know, you, you, there's a little bit of pins and needles, and then you hear rumors and whatnot. Um, you know, obviously things are covered so in-depth now with uh, media and Internet and social media and everything else that uh, there's tons of things that are floating around out there that you can read and look at every day that, you know, could, you know, cause, uh, create some anxiety for players that know, you know, if they're comfortable where they're at, they feel like this, their places where they're playing is a, like home. So, um, yeah, there's always a nervousness, but then, you know, if, if you, you feel you got a good team and you feel like you're in position to make a good run for it, then you're really excited if, you know, some certain names pop up that could just, uh, solidify your lineup a little bit more and give you just a little better chance to maybe, uh, getting over the hump. So, um, there's always, uh, you know, a little bit of anxiety and, and excitement at the same time. 
And a lot of players on the wild are, are feeling that anxiety and excitement right now with the trade deadline just a week away. Uh, I wonder, like, Minnesota's an interesting spot right now. I, I found it a little... Um, I was a little surprised that uh, you guys were in on the you know, Riley deal because you guys are firmly in the playoff hunt, but you guys are balancing uh, the current and the future uh, right now. And, and I wonder how you balance, you know, showing respect and, and considering uh, a player's wants and needs when looking to potentially move them. Like a guy like Matt Dumba, assistant captain with a modified no trade clause, been there for a long time, but he's a UFA at the end of the year. So how much of the decision on all your players is about like, paying respect to what they want, but also obviously keeping in mind what this organization needs to do to continue to win. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of a, a, a real kind of balancing act and you're kind of, you know, you're dealing with, uh, you know, human beings, you're dealing with families, with kids and, you know, whatnot. And, uh, you know, so there's a little bit of an emotional side to it, um, uh, to those type of moves and, and kind of uh, creating some, some trades or whatnot, but yeah, I mean, I, I think at the, at the end of the day, when you look at your team, I think you're always trying to do something that betters your team and puts them in a better position to win, you know, and, and sometimes it, it comes at a, um, at a move that, you know, might, might not be popular with your team or the media or fans, but you, you feel um, big picture and long-term that, you know, this could be better for dust down the road. So there's always those, uh, those feelings and emotions that come into play. And, you know, Matt's a big part of, uh, you know, the community and he, he's involved in a lot of um, hockey first stuff and, you know, diversity hockey. And, you know, so he's a big player in that and rightfully so he's, he's been very uh, admirable and in, in, in carrying that torch for the league. So, um, you know, so there's a little bit of, you know, uh, like I said, there's a sensitive side to it where, you know, people are very ingrained in the, in the community and the family. And, um, but like I said, I think, you know, ultimately Billy makes these decisions that what's best for the team. And you try to put the emotions aside and, you know, it is a business and you try to do what's going to be uh, long-term better for the team in the end. So you're on Toronto radio, and I think probably uh, uh, quite a few times in your experience in Toronto radio, you've been asked about Mike Babcock. And I, I don't necessarily want to go to the well, but I do want to ask you about your experience and how you now can take your experience to help shape what your how how you can create an environment or how you can cultivate an environment as a front office guy. Like, are you actively looking at your experience and looking about at what you like the most from your career and just trying to make the most of what you can be as a front office executive using the experience and the likes and dislikes you had from your playing career. Yeah, I, I think, you know, 22 years playing, I think you've had, uh, I've had an, an array of uh, experiences and uh, encounters with, uh, you know, players, coaches, owners, GMs and whatnot. I mean, you, you've, you've seen a lot, you've seen players come and go and, turnover and you know teams we've moved uh states and uh a lot of uh owners and you know whatnot so i've kind of witnessed it all i think you kind of just you know you learn from those experiences obviously i've been fortunate enough to have a ton of experiences and you take some that are good take some that are bad and but at the end of the day i think you just become you know who you are personally i think if you try to be someone you're not i think that just kind of shows through very easily to people and players and 
Um, you know, so, you know, my, my interaction with Billy, who I've played with and known for a long time, has been great. Dean Everson, the coach, uh, played with Dallas and with him for a while, too. So there's some, um, you know, some connection there with those two guys. So we're, we're very, uh, you know, still a little bit of the old school where it's a little bit, uh, you know, hard driving things home and you're not, uh, you know, you're pushing guys very hard and, and not trying to be their friend, but their coaches and their um, adversaries. But, um, you know, I, I try to be a little bit of an open mind with the players and try to be uh, one of those guys that they feel like they can come to and, you know, ask questions or if they feel like some things aren't working well for them on the ice and if, you know, give them an extra set of eyes and maybe tell them what I'm seeing and, you know, but just trying to get the best out of the guys and make them feel good about uh, their game and positive and working hard and, and, and controlling things they can control. And, you know, so there's a lot to it. You know, there's a lot of moving parts and, you know, you, you just, you know, keeping that confidence up, which is hard in the game of hockey and, you know, mentally and physically just, uh, you know, showing up and being a professional. So um, I had a lot of, you know, hard learning when I was young to kind of get to that point. But, you know, I'm, I'm thankful I had some guys that around me that really pushed hard, and, you know, Hitchcock and Bob Ganey and, you know, had a lot of great teammates that uh, did that. So, you know, I, I learned from some of the best players that uh, I was lucky to be around for a long time. But, yeah, I mean, you, you create some bad and good from certain experiences. But, you know, all in all, I think you continue to try to be yourself and, you know, be approachable and personable. And I think uh, guys respond to that. You mentioned working under Bill Guerin, um, obviously with your transition from playing into now being in that role, is there like a one most important learning that he's instilled in you that you use in your role now with the Minnesota wild? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been interesting. I think with, with, with watching Billy, I think he doesn't, you know, you try to guard from not getting too high and too low, you know, it's an always an ever changing um, atmosphere and, you know, situation with teams and, and pro sports and, and certainly hockey. So there's every day something different. You just can't get too emotional. You can't get too frustrated. You just got to try to keep an even keel. And, you know, he's always had a great personality. I've loved playing with him, loved being around him. He's just a fun loving guy, but you know, he can flip the switch when it's got to be very serious and you come to play and, you know, he still has a little bit of, you know, we all have a little bit of that old school left in us from the 80s and early 90s where it's it's uh, it's it's push hard. It's, you know, no excuses. And, you know, you show up, there's no – it's either black or white, and uh, you deal with it. So um, there's not a lot of – you know, there's a little bit of petting on the back, but there's a lot of, you know, <laughs> kicking hard and getting these guys to uh, motivate themselves and, and be good. So I think with Billy, I think he just tries to, you know, have fun when it's time to have fun, but certainly uh, – um, be serious when it's time to uh, crank it up for sure. Um, all right, let's look ahead to this important stretch before the trade deadline uh, for the Minnesota Wild. So it's been, it's been an unpredictable central division this season. You know, that the def- defending Stanley Cup champions who have been up and down the roster, uh, the standings as well, and, and you guys are kind of fighting neck and neck. You're coming into Thursday night. Uh, we're taping this on Thursday, so maybe it's it hopefully rings true Friday, but on a three-game winning streak. Um, how important is this next week specifically for the, the franchise and for which direction um, you guys think you might go for the trade deadline? Yeah, I, I think unfortunately we find that I think Minnesota's always find themselves in this same predicament around uh you know, mid-February to early March where you're kind of in that dogfight area where you're, you can bounce anywhere from like, uh, 
the 11th, 10th seed to, you know, five or six. So it's just a, it's a matter of just stringing some wins together, you know, uh, eating up as much points as you can to kind of, uh, you know, alleviate some maybe some some little stressful points maybe from here to the end of the line. But, um, you know, certainly I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a game-by-game thing. You just, you know, try to get on a little stretch here, try to get a, you know, maybe a seven and three run to get, uh, you know, give me a little bit of uh, some confidence and a little, some momentum going into, uh, into March. So um, that would be ideal for those guys and just feeling good about their game in general. So I think it's just a matter of getting some, you know, uh, production from everyone down the line and, uh, and then, you know, see what happens uh, come March 3rd. But um They've uh, they've been they've been a little bit up and down. They've had some good stretches and bad stretches. So I mean, it's just you know trying to, like I said, eliminate the bad ones as much as possible from here and out. We're chatting with Mike Medano, a Hockey Hall of Famer and the executive advisor with the Minnesota Wild. Uh, you probably can't talk too much about this, but we you know. The, the Wild and Brock Besser have had their connections through the media uh, in the past here, and he's obviously still with the Vancouver Canucks. And I know you can't talk about him per, uh, specifically, but I wonder about the value of having local talent play for the Minnesota Wild. Is it is it more important? Is it as important? When a, when a guy is from Minnesota, does it mean more to the Wild? Um, you know, I don't know if it means more to the Wild. I think, I, I think the fans... Uh, and the media certainly appreciate that when they have a, a hometown boy playing for their team. I think they really kind of uh, feel like it's a, a real kind of feather in the state of Minnesota. But, you know, there's the, the, the state's phenomenal as far as development hockey and, you know, college hockey players and professionals. So, um, yeah, there's not too many opportunities when you have a chance to play at your hometown um, you know, I did it when I went back to Detroit and, and loved it and appreciated the time, but, you know, there's, there's always, uh, you know, responsibilities and a lot of, you know, uh, you know, maybe distractions away from the ice when you do that, uh, come back to home. So, but he, you know, he's been in the league long enough to, to try to be, uh, he'd probably be able to handle that very easily, but, you know, it is exciting. I mean, Vancouver's had some issues, and they've been kind of up and down as much as uh, Minnesota has. But um, it is enticing for for fans and I think media to kind of to run with that a little bit more than maybe uh, management does. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll pick up anything and run with it. I tell you that, Mike. <laughs> That's right. I know that. Uh, <laughs> so you've got a great talent in 21 year old Matt Boldy, um, big physical guy. Saw his fight, his first fight last week. Um, he's produ- he's producing well, and he's coming off of a seven year, 49 million dollar contract that he signed with the club in January. Um, what do you like most about this young guy, and, and where you're excited to see him grow within your organization? Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's going to be one of those uh, guys for a long time. I think he's one of those cornerstone guys for the organization that, you know, you, you, you tend to build around. Um, but he does everything well. He's a real big kid, skates, shoots. You know, he can make some plays and kind of uh, uh, he can hold on to the puck in some traffic and some uh, high-risk areas. So, I mean, he does, he does a lot of things well. So, you know, just tremendous upside for him. Um, you know, a little bit of pressure and you know that comes with signing a deal like that you just have to you know deal with it and get comfortable and you know he'll he'll work through that but yeah I mean the expectation level certainly goes up when you get an extension and the numbers come at you like that so 
But, uh, you know, you end up trying to maybe do a little bit more than you should and get frustrated and you get a little discouraged. So I think it's just kind of, you know, doing what he knows uh, he can do well. You know, that's that's shoot and create and skate. You know, he's a very skilled guy. So, um, you know, over time he's going to be – he's not going to be a real concern for anybody, but he's just going to be a real positive guy to have around. He's a good kid, works hard, you know, real real quiet guy. But, um, yeah, it's going to be – It'll be fun to watch him develop and, and, and be uh, be around that uh, organization for a long time. Uh, one of the great humans I encountered while covering hockey uh, was Marc-Andre Fleury. Of course, uh, came over to the Wild last year and stuck around. What's he brought to the organization? Uh, I think just a sense of calmness. I think, you know, his, he's been obviously in some of the highest pressure pack situations and being a goalie, it's, it's probably – magnified a uh, hundred times with the pressure and stuff that he's dealt with and uh, being a first pick, uh, you know, all that that's come with it, but he certainly uh, lived up to all the expectations. So, I mean, he just brings a, you know, like I said, a professionalism, a calmness, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's a guy that can control the, you know, the tempo of the game and just kind of bring it down a little bit. He sees a lot. He, he, he can uh, explain things very well to people and what he's seeing from, uh, from the goaltending out. So, um, but yeah, it's just, um, you know, certainly, you know, some, some skins on the wall there and some, uh, some experience uh, goes a thousand, uh, goes forever with these guys. When you're, you're dealing with guys who haven't been quite been there yet. And uh, you're trying to explain it to them and what it takes to be uh, at that level. So, um, you never can have enough of those guys around to kind of help facilitate, uh, uh, you know, what direction this team is trying to go to. The Minnesota Wild also have one of the most exhilarating talents in Kaprizov, a thrill to watch, an all-star, someone that I'm sure the fan base loves seeing out on the ice um, every time they get an opportunity to. What's it like having a guy like that on your team who just he just pushes boundaries, he's fun, he's entertaining, and I'm sure he brings a lot of new fans into the organization as well? Very much so. You know, it's very, number one, you said, I think it's just entertaining. I think he's able to, you know, he's just... Cr- He's able to create something from nothing, it seems like, all the time, and that's what the great people do. They can kind of make people around them really well, really good, and they can, uh, you know, create constantly when it's nice. But, he, you know, the way he can uh, – he handles his skating, his edge work, you know, he's able to, you know, get that puck off, a great release. He's just really kind of – able to keep his speed and up in a lot of tight areas. I mean, as, uh, like I said, when his, when his toes are facing out and he's able to kind of lose guys in that sense and, you know, the turns and everything, he's just a real, you know, strong, um, person to get off the puck, but, uh, you know, his work ethics, you know, at a very high level, he does a lot of great things, uh, away from the game off the ice and practice. So, I mean, it's not a, it's not a surprise that he's, he's had some success. You know, he's a little bit older, 25, 24, 25. So he's got some, uh, you know, some years under him, but, you know, still he's just uh, a real magnificent player. I mean, he's, he's been a lot of, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, the fans certainly have felt they're pretty, pretty lucky to have a guy like that at that skill level and, and to uh, come there and watch him 41 times uh, would be a, a fun thing to do. So when I think about Mike Medano, all I can picture is a jersey rippling uh, behind you as you skate through neutral ice. Um, But it feels like 
the individuality aspect, like having something that is your trademark, I feel like that's like, that sort of thing is lost in the NHL now. Like we're getting all excited. Ryan O'Reilly wears no visor and he's like the only Leaf who does that. And it's so different. What, how did the NHL lose that individuality? It seems like people are branded the way that they want to be branded on like social media, but it's hard to stick out on the ice as an individual. I wonder how conscious you were of like the things that you were known for. And do you think the NHL should find ways to uh, have more individuality when it comes from player to player? Well, I've always said, I felt the NHL is one of those the four major ones that just had a hard time kind of doing the individuality. I think the other sports, you just have that, you know, those, those personalities, those real heavy personalities in basketball and football and, and, and basketball. I think hockey was always just been about everybody else and not yourself. So I think it's just kind of been the sales pitch of a, a team first philosophy, um, you know, where these kids are raised up, you know, these farmlands in Canada, you know, just country U.S. players, I think it just adds a little bit of, uh, you know, that, that down-home kind of uh, it's not about me kind of attitude. So, um, you know, so I, I think uh, with, the, with the jersey thing, I think it's become, you know, those jerseys are a little bit more form-fitting. I don't think I would have the same effect of it uh, these days <laughs> as I did in the back uh, uh, a, a few years ago. But, um, yeah, I think it's always been a team first philosophy i think if the team does well individuals do well i think that's something that's always been preached uh, throughout the game of hockey bring back the oversized jerseys uh mike we appreciate yeah. you uh coming on with us and uh good luck tonight a uh, couple important points on the table between the wild and leafs uh and we'll see where that takes us hopefully we can chat again soon and uh thanks again absolutely thanks for having me guys take care Mike Medano, um, Wild here in action against the Maple Leafs tonight on a four-game winning streak. Itching closer to the top of Central, at least. Just overtook the Avalanche last night, so I don't know what they're going to do with their trade deadline, but... They seem to be in a weird spot. Mm -hmm. They seem to be in a weird spot. They should probably go to the playoffs. They could add and certainly maybe even do some damage. It's a good team, but I guess they realize they can't really, really compete with the best of them, and now they're willingly give away uh, salary it's funny space. because like it's so there should be so many teams should be trying to do what minnesota's doing and minnesota is one of the teams that could go to the playoffs and they're doing it like mm -hmm. what excuse does i don't know montreal have for not doing that just teams that clearly aren't going anywhere hey montreal picked ottawa? up my guy chris tierney yesterday. ottawa's dumping salary still hey eh? Montreal picked up my guy Chris Tierney yeah, yesterday. Keswick's very own. Thought you'd be a little conflicted York by that. York Simcoe Express. Yeah, your team. I might be. I might not be able to speak his name again. Keswick. I thought it'd be kid. the other way. You'd have to retire all your leaf gear. <laughs> Could never. Um, okay, speaking of teams that are in a weird spot, how about the St. Louis Blues? Time for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. So we know that they're selling off some of their big pieces. Vladimir Tarasenko, Ryan O'Reilly. They've now been rumored to be in the... Timo Meyer conversation um, last night. They blew a 2 nothing lead and then lost 3-2 in overtime to the Vancouver Canucks. That's a tough one. Um, Chris, uh, Craig Berube was speaking, speaking to the media and spoke very negatively about his best players. Basically ripped them in the media. Here's the clip. I guess they don't care about the team. I don't know. I'm not sure why. 
our best players don't play with any passion, no emotion, and no no inspiration at all. They don't play inspired hockey. You cannot play in this league without emotion, grit, being inspired. Um, they're getting paid lots of money, and they're not showing. They're not doing the job. End of story. That's it. Boy, oh boy. That's tough, eh? That is tough. I mean, that sounds like he a coach who might be on back. like the final legs. Like you that's think, eh? that's a bridge that might be hard to rebuild after it's been torched like it just was. We always say, how many bullets do you have? Yeah. That was, uh, he that's emptied a, the tank, I that think. That was a bullet. Uh, yeah, maybe emptied the clip there. Uh, who are the best players, though? Jordan Cairo. Yeah, you Robert Kyrou Thomas. Robert Thomas can go on there with their matching $8 million salary starting next year. Aurora's very own. Robert Thomas? Yeah. Uh, Braden Shen, I guess, could be in that neighborhood. But the truth of the matter is that they traded a lot of their best players. When you drive into Aurora, the welcome to Aurora sign says, home of Stanley Cup champion Robert Thomas. Does it? It's right off the Wellington exit on the 404 when you're entering the Walmart plaza. Wait, and you were skeptical that Clinton, Ontario doesn't have a sign for Ryan O'Reilly? I don't know, man. I haven't been to Clinton, but... Doesn't Jordan Binnington have Richmond Hill too? Doesn't, I bet he does. I'm pretty sure he does. St. Louis, like when St. Louis won the cup, it was just, it was all about the Hamlets. <laughs> Throw up signs everywhere in Ontario. I wonder if it, that's like um, the little municipal government that's like, hey, let's make a sign. Let's print it out. At, it probably is. At and then half the people are, so, are just like so tilted because their tax money is going to that. I think they Politics, can. baby. Oh, yeah. It's getting a politics even, this morning. Even small town <laughs> politics. Um, we have a couple of the fill in the blanks to read. Okay. So it was, you know, Aaron Rodgers emerges from the darkness. Can you top Cocaine Bear? I don't think you can, man. Cocaine Bear was a last minute. I was actually watching the game and I saw the commercial for that. I'm like, that'd be good, actually. I think it was your best. I don't know if, like, Cocaine Bear is either going to be its smashing success or the worst movie ever created. But I'm interested. I want to watch it. I think they know it's bad and went with the most aggressive title imaginable just to get people there. Like, don't have anything to do this weekend? Go watch Cocaine Bear. Want to watch Cocaine Bear? Um, Okay, Heath in Toronto says, uh, Aaron Rodgers, he comes out of the dark and sees no media, no one to cover his news at all. No one to give him the attention he craves? That's a good one. That was a good one. Um, Aaron Rodgers emerges from the darkness and first thing he sees is a pirate dressed in raider black and silver. Is that a sign? I don't think it'd probably be a sign. I think you could consider that a sign. If you saw a pirate a out in the woods in yeah. Oregon, I think they'd be Just a meandering sign. about, lost, a lost pirate. Sam from Owen Sound says, Aaron Rodgers emerges from the darkness and the first thing he sees is Tom Brady holding seven Super Bowls. Mm. That would be tough. I think he'd go back in. I don't think he can escape that reality. No amount of darkness can erase that. Uh, Bradford apparently has an Adam Henrique sign. That's Cavan from Ontario. Cavan is from all of Ontario. He was born amidst Ontario somewhere. You don't know where, Cavan. Adam Henrique, eh? Apparently. Is that just to celebrate an NHL career? What does Adam Henrique I don't want? know. I, exist? Did he win a gold medal? He definitely exists. He Maybe for Team Canada? Well, yeah. Like at a world championship, I mean? But apparently he's got a sign in Bradford. Yeah, he's got a world champion, 2021 in Latvia. Weren't you there? I was there. You were covering Adam I Henrique. saw Adam Henrique win that, that <laughs> gold medal. I totally forgot he was and on that team. And he went to the World Juniors in 2010 in Saskatchewan. I was in Latvia. And Riga. Lost in the final. Riga. And I saw Adam Henrique win that prestigious gold medal. Didn't exactly register for you, though. Cavan from Ontario. What a guy. All right. 59590, you can send in your wake and rake picks. Please, the Maple Leafs are playing the Wild tonight. You got a full slate of NHL, NBA. Neil's already sending in wake and rake picks for uh, WTA in Dubai. 
We have a German hockey selection in the text line. The alt parlay is going off the rails today. So we love that. Um, Flesherton has home of Chris O'Neill. There you go. That, he went that up makes to the, sense. He went up to the Raptors with the Senators this year, didn't he? He did. And he went. Pretty sure. Didn't he go out through the penalty box when he finished? That's pretty good. I thought it was really good. You know, Flesherton, do you know much about Flesherton? In, I know it's in Gray County. I don't know anything about Flesherton. That's a, that's a fun hamlet. That's a, in the middle of nowhere hamlet. We'll keep that. Uh, we'll back pocket that oh, for a future if, segment. If Chris Neal ever comes around. Uh, Kevin confirms he's from Hamilton. So thank you for that. All right. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk to our buddy Vivek Jacob, writer at Raptors.com and CBC Sports. Uh, Scotiabank Arena was alive last night. Raptors reborn. We'll see. That's next on the Fan Morning Show. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. It's Cuthbert and Forfar. We're still taking submissions for the Friday fill, where you fill in the blank. Wake and rake, of course. So keep the text, keep the text coming. We're also like, what, what town or what town, what athlete does your town celebrate? Who do you got on the welcome sign? Lots of submissions already, right? Oh yeah. The Hamlets love the fan morning show. They love the fan morning show and they love the athlete that made it big from their town, right? They sure do. Like, you know, 32 thoughts of podcast did that tour and they went to like Barry and Peterborough. Ours would be. Small town hamlet. I actually tour. think there's an idea there. Like <laughs> I we, think we, might be onto we something. rip through Clinton. <laughs> Just a small show, a small venue. It's all right. We'll Flesherton. Build up. We'll build up. Flesherton would definitely be. Wingham. Lucknow. Wingham. I don't know anything about Wingham. <laughs> Buddy, you need to learn about Wingham. I'll get to Wingham. All right. All right. Woodstock, of course, air. So we'll keep workshopping that idea. But until then, we get filling a little Raptors discussion here. Big night for the Toronto Raptors back on the floor at Scotiabank Arena. Just back on the floor in general uh, after a all-star break to talk about that and more. We got Vivid Jacob, writer at Raptors.com and CBC Sports. Big V, how are we doing this morning? Doing well. How are you? Uh, We're doing pretty good. It felt like Scotiabank Arena was alive again. Does it feel like after all the lead up to the trade deadline, and the break here after a couple games with the Yakup Pirtle, that the Raptors are reborn. Somewhat. I mean, listen, I'll, I'll give a huge credit to Caribbean Heritage Night. Mm-hmm. I mean, that place was popping. The Soka was going all night, and everyone was feeling it. So um, Scotty Barnes was very happy with it as well. Um, but in terms of what was happening on the court, uh, yeah, I do think there is an energy to this team. There is a sense of relief for guys like Pascal and OG and Scotty to not have to defend centers anymore. And this was a matchup where they would have usually had to go up against a guy like Jonas Valanciunas and really take a beating. And now they can just leave that to Jakob Bertl. And, you know, one of the things I talked about at halftime during the game was, you know, at, at the half, Pascal had seven on three of nine shooting. The Raptors were shooting six of 20 uh, as a team from three-point range. Fred Van Vliet wasn't playing. And they didn't really have much of an advantage on the offensive glass or in the turnover department, which is where they look to gain those advantages and when they game. And so without that, you will usually see a Raptors team that is trailing. Instead, they were up nine. And that is what 
Jakob Pertl gives you. He gives you breathing room on the offensive end. He gives you breathing room on the defensive end. And so you don't necessarily have to game the system every time to actually be able to win a game. Okay, I want to uh, you know expand on that and sort of touch on the breadth of ways that Jakob Pertl has helped this team because the team looks different and it's a little frustrating given that, you know, we're waiting for a Pertl type for a little bit now. But like, <laughs> what's like the, the, what's the main reason or the main way he helps this team? And then I want you to sort of contrast that with like a subtle, subtle way that he's really helping this team be successful, whether it's helping a player be a little bit better than they are or something that maybe we don't notice or isn't so obvious when you're watching the broadcast. So I'll start off with the defense because that has been an issue for the team all season. They only gave up 45 points at halftime, 19 points in the first quarter. And you're not seeing this team scramble as much as they needed to before. And it was constant help and recovery. And uh, you're almost expecting the blow by expecting someone else to sort of switch on. And then there's a kick out. And then you're just constantly chasing the ball around. And now with Jakob Pertl, there is that intimidation factor at the basket. There is constant communication. That is a big thing that this team has lacked. He has brought a lot of communication on the defensive end. And so guys are just in place more. And so there is less of that, you know, helter skelter nature to the team now. Um, On the offensive end, when they are running the pick and roll, they actually have a guy in Jakob Pertl who will catch the ball, make reads. Like he is a playmaker at the center position. And so he is a very willing passer. And so when he catches it in the middle of the floor, guys are moving around. Guys are getting into open spots, expecting the ball to get to him. And then there's a screening ability, which in itself frees up people. Defensive end, a subtle way that you notice it. There was a play last night uh, in the first quarter where JV got the ball and he was wide open and rushed the shot. When is the last time you saw mm-hmm. a seven-footer go up against the Raptors and rush a shot? Never. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason that happens is because you're thinking about Jakob Pertl. And so that's one subtle thing that I saw on the defensive end. On the offensive end, I think you're looking at scenarios now where the Raptors in general, their half-court offense is not good. But what you would see is plays where once you get under, you know, seven, eight on the clock, there's a bit of that panic, and it's you, you end up with a very bad look. Instead, Jakob Pertl will be like, okay, you know what, back the ball out, I'm going to come set a screen, and then you're able to get into a bit of a flow. Or Jakob Pertl catches the ball in the middle of the floor, and he's either able to get a shot for himself or he's finding a teammate for an open shot. And so I think those are subtle things where before you'd see, and you know, you'd talk about, oh my God, this isolation basketball, this isolation basketball. The Raptors are able to run offense at different times of the shot clock. They're able to actually get clean looks and it doesn't look as ugly as it once did. Is there a player on this Raptors roster that's going to benefit just from everything you mentioned in terms of maybe having to shoulder less of a role or be put in a position that isn't their type of specialty because he comes in and he fills a void that the Raptors didn't have. So a lot of people were trying to, you know, maybe step into a role, as I said, that it wasn't their specialty. So who do you think is going to benefit the most or have you seen in the small sample size with the addition of Jakob Pertl? And is that a sustainable change? 
Well, I'll say on the defensive end, I think this really helps Pascal Siakam. I I think when you look at the load that he was carrying, obviously he does a ton for this team offensively. And for me, I look at since his, since Jakob Pertl's arrival, Siakam's rebound totals have looked like this six, four, four, seven, four. And this is a guy who usually gets you eight, nine rebounds a game. And so what that tells me is that he's not having to play the role he once did Jakob Pertl is able to take that pressure off of him, and now he's able to focus more on the offensive end. When you look at his mid-range shot, the last few games, it's been back. It's like back better than ever. And to me, that tells me that the legs are there, and, and there's a lot of juice in them. And so I think that's a big credit to Jakob Pertl. And then another player I will say big impact for is Fred Van Vliet. And I think when you get a guy his size, a true center and you're running those pick and rolls. It gives him a big body to get the ball to. It makes those pick and rolls just look that much more effective. And again, the offense is just cleaner. So those are the two guys, obviously they're the biggest names on the team, but if you're helping out the two biggest names on the team that much, it's going to impact winning that much as well. Uh, At point guard in replacing Fred Van Vliet, at least to start, was Scotty Barnes last night. And we're talking about the hard reset and being able to kind of like recalibrate with 10 days off or or however long it was. I I think it's an opportunity for a young guy like Scotty Barnes to kind of like turn the page and not be thinking about last game when starting this game, whether it's good or bad in his last outing. And it looked like he kind of started on the front foot. It looked like he was vocal, looked like he was really, really engaged. Do you have visions of a uh, second half surge for Scotty Barnes? I think so. And I think he's been building up to that as well. I mean, when you look at the first couple months of the season, uh, he was really struggling and really trying to figure things out. And I think as the season has gone on, he's really progressed. And I think he's sort of identified what is really working for him. I think at the beginning of the season, we saw a lot of mid-range jumpers. We saw uh, a lot of three-point attempts. And um, frankly, we saw a lot of dribbling, which I think he was trying to you know, explore things that he might have worked on in the summer and they didn't necessarily translate to the NBA level yet. And so he's resorted, I think, back to the player he was last season, which was obviously good enough to win Rookie of the Year. And I think now having this opportunity next to Jakob Pertl, um and the rest, of the, guys, uh, the rest of the guys finding their range, I think that type of player... Uh, we'll be able to cook all season. We could ask you about that dunk. That was immaculate. <laughs> um, I don't know if I've seen something of such athletic, incredible uh, experience through the TV screen. I I don't know what the atmosphere was like in the arena, but he, Chris Boucher flew like this was an inhuman yeah. type of thing. Um, what mm-hmm. happened there? <laughs> that was incredible. I mean, at first, you're thinking, did he take off from too far? Right. And, <laughs> and, then, and then he gets there, and he – that was such a powerful dunk. Like, he could, he could definitely dunk from the, three, uh, from the free throw line. And uh, it was a foot inside the line, but I would not be surprised if at some point, uh, you know, if he gets that kind of runway again, if he does pull it off. Uh, I was talking to him after the game, and he did say that he's dunked from the free throw line in college, uh, and, and so uh, you know that was that was also 
um, before a knee surgery. So we'll see if he can put that kind of pressure on his legs again. But, you know, he's had some crazy plays this season. I mean, before the All-Star break, when they played Orlando, he blocked a bow ball. Mm-hmm. And you think about the wingspan that bow ball has, uh, that's an incredible feat uh, in and of itself. So Chris Boucher is a human highlight reel. Um, we maybe don't see it as often as we'd like. Obviously, he's coming off the bench. But I think, again, you go back to the roles that everyone is playing now. It's kind of clear cut. Uh, in terms of what's expected, right? I do expect once Fred Van Vliet returns, he will be back in the starting lineup. And you look at a bench that's got Chris Boucher and Precious Achua and Gary Trent Jr., uh, most likely, uh, I, I would imagine OG Ananobi is the one that stays in the starting lineup. Uh, and maybe you throw in some Jeff Gowton because he's looked very good. Uh, that's a very stable bench that you could look at. Let's talk about Jeff Downton Jr. because, uh, as you mentioned, some some opportunities for a little bit of runway yesterday, but it seemingly surpassed Malachi Flynn in the decision to give him some time on the court. Were you surprised by that? And maybe what is that Nick Nurse showing him a little bit of respect for the hard work that he puts in? Yeah, I think it's showing him respect, and I think it's just showing that, hey, if you give me defense, you can earn minutes on this team. And I think Jeff Downton Jr., uh, in terms of the guys he had to guard, he had several possessions where he was defending CJ McCollum. And to be able to take on that challenge, because obviously McCollum is such a great scorer in this league, uh, and be effective. Obviously, there are a couple of times where he, you know, McCollum was able to draw the foul. But in terms of the process, I thought Doughton was excellent. And obviously, Nick Nurse thought so too, giving him especially that extended uh, run he got in his first shift and finishes the game with almost 20 minutes, I think, that shows uh, an incredible level of trust. And I think if you bring defense at that level, the Raptors have enough guys uh, to bring the offense. And again, it's the defense that's been the problem for this team, surprisingly, all season. Um, not as much on the offensive end, at least, you know, at least in the transition game. So it felt like uh, the Raptors were not going to win that game without Jakob Pertl being very, very important in the final six or so minutes. But it also felt like if that game continued for a little while longer, that uh, the Raptors might not have won it either because Brendan Graham mm. and CJ McCollum just kind of went into God mode there, just hitting shots and, and, and shot making is shot making. But it feels like in that type of scenario where we're just trading mid-range for mid-range or that's the way it's going to be played at that frenetic, frenetic pace, that the Raptors right. can't really hang for that long. Is there anything that they can do better in those moments? Because it feels like if you're trying to take the Raptors out of their comfort zone, introducing a sort of style like that will do it. Is there anything the Raptors can do to combat uh, combat another team or that situation when the game does sort of devolve into just a contest of making shots? Yeah, I think maybe when Brandon Ingram was really getting hot there, you can send a double earlier and really just try to force the ball out of his hands and go from there. Uh, but I think the bigger concern last night in sort of allowing the Pelicans back was the transition defense. And I think that's an area where the Raptors have struggled this season and they just don't seem to match up the right way going back in transition. And so I don't know how much of that is just lack of communication, how much of that is, you know, because of the guys who have been in and out of the lineup, uh, the unfamiliarity in the five that's on the court at any given time. And so either way, that is something that has to be cleaned up, that has to be sorted. Nick Nurse actually said that was going to be a focus uh, at practice today. And so I think just allow 
that momentum to build where in this league, the way the three-point shooting is, you make a couple threes in a row, three or four of them even, you know, all of a sudden uh, that momentum shifts. Uh, v, we talked about this yesterday before teeing up the game and, and previewing the second or the, I guess the final stretch of this Raptors season before they mm-hmm. hopefully go for the plan. Um, the big storylines that we are most likely interested in and trying to follow and pinpoint what we think might happen. Is there a storyline that you're most intrigued with, with this Raptors team as they go down the stretch? Uh, yeah, I, I think for me, it's looking at Jakob Pertl, uh as that starting center um, and what that type of ceiling can look like. Because for me, Going into the trade deadline, if I'm thinking of a legitimate contender ceiling, because of the deficiencies of Siakam and Scotty when it comes to shooting the three-point shot, I thought the Raptors, in terms of getting to that ceiling, that level, would need a shooting big, someone that can actually give you that three-point shot. Obviously, there's very few of them that can do that in the league. Um so I'm curious to see if they can progress towards that type of a ceiling with Jakob as the center. And so those are the things uh, I'm looking for. It's like, hey, how much space is he opening up off screens, uh, you know, with his passing game, that type of stuff where he greases the wheels of the offense enough where you don't think um, that's really hurting the team. At the end of the day, you know, they did shoot poorly from three. They did shoot nine of 31, which is 29%. And so there are going to be better teams out there that do punish you for that. And so that is kind of a thing that I'll be watching as this uh, season plays out. Did it warm your heart to see, see JV on the floor at Scotiabank Arena once again in front of a packed of audience? Of course, always. I mean, nothing but good memories with that dude. And I think, uh, you know, he's a true professional uh, Jakob Pertl talked about it after the game where, uh, you know, he learned uh, just how physical the league can be, um, how demanding the league can be from JV, uh, you know, his first time around and uh, nothing but good things to say about JV. And, you know, it was unfortunate that he had to move uh, the year of the championship season, but it brought back Marcus All. So <laughs> it was a necessary move to get the championship. Uh, yeah, a couple guys that had to that had to leave in order for 2019 to happen. But we we definitely thank them, and it's fun seeing uh, JV come back through town and Pirtle to be here semi permanently. It's uh, very very nice to see uh, those guys once again. JV, it was nice. JV, <laughs> Big V, it was nice talking to you <laughs> this morning. Uh, it's been a little while. Hopefully, we can catch up again soon. We appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. That's Vivek Jacob, writer at Raptors.com and CBC Sports. Raptors play Detroit tomorrow, a team that they often struggle to beat. <laughs> in Detroit, too. Eh? In Detroit at noon, which is just a strange situation and in Nick general. Nurse, Nick Nurse was unavailable for personal reasons, I believe. Mm-hmm. Last time they were in Detroit and they got the victory? It might have been at home, but I think that way. was, the, or it was at home. The last that time was, they played the Adrian them, Adrian Griffin like. game, yeah. Yes. So we'll see if uh, we haven't answered the question, I guess, recently. If uh, Dwayne Casey still has Nick Nurse's number, but we shall see. <laughs> um, all right. So Wake and Rake today, we have Leafs hosting the Wild, and it's a 7 p.m. puck drop. We have a full slate of NHL and NBA action. You have Neil in the text line sending in WTA and ATP picks. Uh, we did have the text line sending in some of their fun welcome to blank hometown of blank right uh will from paris says kyle clifford has assigned an heir i did know that i have seen that one mm. i know my paris hamlet quite well uh mary maxim 
You know Mary Maxim. No, who's Mary Maxim? <laughs> Never mind. Well, you have to tell me in the break now, I guess. Mary Maxim is like, uh, I don't know, maybe the most famous craft company in yarn and wool. Oh, I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> didn't know you were a yarn expert. It's like a yarn and craft company. I thought it was like something Their you just home, didn't want to say on the air. No, like, no, what Mary, Mary Maxim, Maxim has like the massive outlet in Paris, and you know, my mom, she's crafty. We've been to Mary Maxim before. Okay, that's basically what the what you do when you go to Paris, Ontario, beautiful place. You and pick up yarn. You did. We picked up yarn there. Okay. Um, also, home of the journeyman Zach Dalpey. Dalpy? Dalpy. Dalpy, who has a jersey in his restaurant. So shout out to Will from Paris, who also has a restaurant. Um, Scott from Barry says he was in Hearst, Ontario last weekend, and there was pretty much statues of Claude Giroux all over the place. Everywhere, yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Um, Richmond does have a Bennington sign, and Aurora also says the home of Robert Thomas and Barclay Goudreau, which must be new since I've driven by it because I would have remembered that. So them. that's the thing. It's like you win the Stanley Cup, you, you get, get your sign. name on the cup, you also get a sign. Like it doesn't, like... like what's more important, the sign like probably. Aurora, Aurora's what? <laughs> Thomas and... Barclay Goudreau. Barclay Goudreau. Yeah. So like next time someone from Aurora wins, you just got to find like a different entrance into the town no, to you're the right sign. from that's from so the entrance they're doing that I'm, it aurora's doing it the visual that i'm met as seeing is entering from the 404 and going west so maybe there's on wellington so maybe there's everyone okay uh one more connor mcdavid from newmarket hmm never heard of him did that does connor have a sign yet i actually went through newmarket for the first time wow. on the weekend I didn't see any signs. Interesting. You probably weren't looking. Um, you're was, worried about the lines on the attention. road that you can't see. Oh, they were visible. Kevin from Markham says, my, home, my, to- my town is torn in recent years between Stamkos and Romano. Thoughts? Oh, you've got a good problem to have, Kevin. Jordan Romano? Yeah. Well, Stamkos has the, the chips. Yeah. It's got to be Stamkos for now. He can earn a spot on there, Jordan Romano. Be a big closer. Okay, this is fun. Send that in 595.90 on the other side of the break. We're talking to Nick Kiprios of Real Kipper and Bourne. What he thinks of the Bruins making a splash last night, a best team in the NHL getting better, how that bodes for the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's next.